Well, Barbara Yoder is an author, and she had a mentor, Lester Sumrall, and he lived in the 1900s, passed away 1996. And during the 1900s, Lester Sumrall was a, a very influential mentor, an evangelist, and minister that spoke to a lot of people in different countries. And she was at a seminar, and he was sitting in front of her, and this was two years before he had died. And Barbara Yoder said that at the seminar, they were sharing about the, the gospel message, and different speakers were giving sermons. And Lester had lost his wife not long before this time, and he was going blind. And she said as he listened to a particular sermon, he took out a piece of paper and she noticed because he had to hold it close to his eye because his sight was failing and he wrote something very intently and she was curious what he had written and a few minutes later, he picked up the note again and scribbled more on the note and this time she said she saw what he wrote and went on to say it changed her life. We'll come back to that here in just a moment. Let's talk for a few moments. First Samuel 17. This is the setup to when David and Goliath have their confrontation. We're not going to read that part, but pay attention here to 1 Samuel 17, verse 1, where it says this. The Philistines gathered their armies for war. Saul and the Israelites gathered in the valley of Elah. The Philistines controlled one hill, the Israelites the other a valley was between them. Verse 1 again says the Philistines gathered their armies for war. All through the Old Testament, the Philistines are a metaphor for the spiritual enemy of the believer. Philistine, the word itself, means to wallow in the dust. In modern day language, we would say it's anything or anybody who drags you through the dirt. The Philistines were constantly at battle with David and the Israelites throughout the Old Testament. For us, though, they are a metaphor for the spiritual wrestling matches and battles that we face. Philistines, what is it that drags you down into the dust? What is it that you most struggle with? Whether it's a sin, maybe it's a habit, maybe it's bondage to stress and financial problems, maybe it's relationship failure. Whatever it is that stops you from moving forward in your faith in Christ, that is your Philistine. Now, Barbara Yoder writes this, and we talked about Psalm 103 two weeks ago, and she writes this, looking at that Psalm, and said, here's something you can do, and I invite you to do it now, here this morning, and it only takes a moment. But again, what is the Philistine in your life? And it might be more than one, but think of one. What is something, someone, maybe it's a toxic relationship, maybe it's an habitual sin, maybe it's just overwhelm, maybe it's laziness. What is that Philistine that drags you through the dirt? And Barbara Yoder says, where are you sick right now? Now the sickness she means, that could be a physical sickness, Maybe it's emotional hurt. Maybe it's spiritual darkness. Where are you sick right now? And she simply says, put your hand where you have something wrong and say this, the Psalm 103. So the verse is Psalm 103 that simply says, who heals all my diseases? What is dragging you down into the dust? Maybe it's a broken heart. Put your hand on your heart and say, who heals all my diseases? Maybe it's an uncontrolled tongue. 
put your hand to your lips who heals all my diseases. Maybe it's stress and overwhelm. Just place your hand on your head who heals all my diseases. We want to be about not just studying scripture, but putting into action spiritual principles and biblical faith so that we become who we are meant to be in Christ. The second thing in 1 Samuel, we're told this, Saul and Israel gathered in the valley of Elah. Elah means oak. Oak trees known for their strength, they don't grow on the mountain. Whereas Saul and his men, they're in the valley, the valley of Elah. It's in the valley where strength is built. It's in the valley that many people try to avoid, but it's there in the valley where we find the victory in Christ facing the obstacle before us. It's there in the valley that Goliath would show up and taunt the people day in and day out. So, Here's a question about the Valley of Elah. And we're going to look at this here in just a moment. A lot of people can relate to the Valley. Is the church dying? Of course not. Is America dying? Well, in many ways, yes. What does the church need to do to be strong in the Valley so that the culture, the community, the county, the nation be turned around? Listen to these words here, and these were written by Johann Blumhart. He writes this about his own spiritual freedom in Christ after a long, dark battle. And notice what he says. This is his words to people seeking. This is his advice. He writes, Jesus stood at the door and knocked, and I opened it to him. It's as if he says, behold, I stand at the door. I'm waiting. I want to come into your life. I'm knocking, and here's the key. But you are so engrossed in your possessions, your political quarrels, and theological wrangling, you do not hear my voice. Now, Johann Blumhardt could have written that yesterday. He did not. He wrote that in 1850. He was a minister in Germany at the time, and he was in a particular town where there was this spiritual darkness and oppression. And there was this one lady in particular that had this oppression in her life. And so they'd prayed for her to be set free and delivered. People talked about the town. It just seemed dark, a foreboding evil. And Johann prayed for this woman to be set free in Christ. Imagine this. For two years. And at the end of that two years, he was praying for her. And finally, she had that freedom and that breakthrough. And she proclaimed, Jesus is victor. But just as miraculous, Johann would write that around town at that same time, other people felt that spiritual freedom and that release. And they began to say, Jesus is victor. And somebody over here then said it. Jesus is victor, and another, and another, on down the line. You see, the valley of Elah, Elah where the oak is, the valley where the enemy comes in like a flood, the Philistine, the rolling in the dust to drag us down. We need to remember and stand strong and proclaim in him in faith, Jesus is victor. I invite you to write this verse down. 
This is from the message. If you don't have the message, it's a paraphrase, a poetic one. Eugene Peterson wrote about 20 years ago. Write down what he said here. This is 2 Corinthians 12, 7 from the message paraphrase. And this is where Paul talks about his own wrestling match with Satan and the spiritual battles and the spiritual oppression. And Paul writes this, Satan's angel did his best to get me down. Here's the key. What he in fact did was push me to my knees. Satan's angel did his best to get me down. What he in fact did was push me to my knees. The valley of Elah, the valley of the oak. That's where we go strong. This is where Goliath kept coming out and mocking the people. Here's the next verse, 1 Samuel 17. The Philistines controlled one hill, Israel controlled another, And here's the key, the valley was between them. Sometimes you have to go through the valley to reach your spiritual increase. We all have goals on the other side. Maybe it's spiritual health. Maybe it's trust needing restored. Maybe it's passion in your marriage. And between you and that is a valley. Enter into that valley and face the giants. Grow in your strength and faith. When you read the book of Acts, what did they often say? They were put in prison, they were beaten, and then what? They rejoiced and celebrated because they were considered worthy to be persecuted for Christ. Don't avoid the valley, move into it, and there proclaim Christ is victor. So, let's talk about the valley and the metaphor for our culture. This is Las Vegas. We all know it's a metaphor in our culture called the Sin City, a metaphor for people saying there I can do things that I would not do elsewhere. There I can do things in secret. I don't want people to know, but it's simply a metaphor. Our culture is wrestling what is truth, trading that truth, trading that morality, and wondering why people seem so directionless. Now let's talk about Vegas, that metaphor for taunting the promises of God. Here's some things you may not know about the glitter and the gold. Vegas is number one in two different areas. Number one, is the highest divorce rate in the country. That may not seem so surprising. They do mock marriage in many ways. What else they are number one in, though, is not so well known. You see, if we were to take control groups and say, let's take a city where people abandon faith and mock truth and mock holiness, and let's take another city like where Johann Blumhart was, where people pray deeply and there is spiritual breakthrough. What would you see in the city that mocks? Commercials are beautiful, tempting. It's all about fun. What's behind the scenes though? Las Vegas is also number one in the country for the highest divorce rate and the highest suicide rate. 
Is the church dying? Of course not. Is America dying? In many ways, yes. What is going to turn the tide? 1 Samuel 17, 40. Look what we're told here. David chose for himself five smooth stones and he drew near to Goliath. As we've said many times, everything in Scripture is there for a reason. Why did David take five stones? Different beliefs behind this. I agree with Max Lucado that the number is significant. And I agree the reason for that significance is if you go to 2 Samuel 21, you read this battle continued for years. And here's what happened next. 2 Samuel 21 There was another skirmish with the Philistines at Gob. There were other giants there. These four were descended from Rapha. They were all killed by David and his soldiers. Why did David take five stones? Goliath had four brothers. Where there's one giant, there's very often two, three, four, twenty. Why did David take five stones? Because in faith, he said, I'm going to have victory in that valley. I don't care if it's Goliath and his four brothers or anyone else. I will stand in the promises that Christ as victor who heals all our diseases. So what did Lester Sumrall write? 1994, 82 years old, losing his eyesight. Barbara Yoder sat behind him as he picked up that note a second time, and here's what he wrote. Lord, help me to love you more and hate the devil more. Lord, help me to love you more and hate the devil more. What will turn back the tide in culture? Men and women in faith stand on the promises of Christ and say, I don't care if it's popular or easy or what everybody else does. You go back to that valley, the entire army under Saul, the king at the time, wouldn't advance until David showed up. And he walked out onto that battlefield with that same heart. Lord, help me to love you more and hate the devil more. In fact, we know the rest of the story. We're told Goliath drew near for 40 days, morning and evening. And he mocked Israel to say, where is a champion until the day David showed up. And here's what David said to the Philistine, took up the stones and said, you come to me with sword, with spear, with javelin. I come to you in the name of the Lord. And then he had his victory and Goliath had his defeat in the valley of Elah, the Philistine, the one who pulls you into the dirt, defeated by one in faith who said, I come to you in the name of the Lord. As Dutch Sheets writes, words have power. Words Start wars. He continues, love is communicated with words. Instruction given through words. Deception propagated by words. Kingdoms are built by words. People are controlled by words. Lives are shattered or healed through words. And Dutch Sheets closes, 
When was the last time you spoke world-altering words that come straight from your God-born faith? The Philistines, the valley, the giant, until David arrived in faith and spoke victory in Jesus who heals all our diseases. The world needs men and women to have that same strength and faith for what is right, for what is true, and to walk in the holiness, in that calling, in Him. If you go back to the mid-1800s, the Great Awakening, moving through our country, Revival starting in different places as men and women gave their hearts to Christ. And then there was a particular city in Michigan. People gathered to talk about what was taking place. And their city had its own challenges. They discussed what was happening in the country. There were places where the revival was so great, they would end up closing down prisons. Crime simply ceased. Families restored, people with addictions set free. And so here in this Michigan town, they gathered. And as they shared about this revival taking place in other cities, one person stood up and said, I have a prayer request written here. And so he read a note, and the request was a wife. She said, I hope you'll pray for my husband's salvation. And as was written, a large man in the back stood up with tears in his eyes. He said, that must be me, because I have a praying wife. And I know she prays for me. And he gave his life to Christ. And then he sat down. And a few rows over, another man stood up and he said, that must be me. Because I have a praying wife. And I know she prays for me. And he gave his life to Christ. On the other side of the room, a third man stood and said, that must be me because I too have a praying wife and I know she prays for me. And he gave his life to Christ. And one by one around the room, men began to stand and proclaim Christ is victor. If you find yourself in the valley, speak in faith your victory, and trust the process God is going to give you more strength as you grow facing your giants. If there's a valley between you and where you need to be in faith, step across that valley ready to face the giants knowing that your victor goes before you. And whatever the Philistine is in your life that drags you into the dirt and the mud, Put your hand on that place in faith in your life and say, who heals my diseases? 
pray one for another and trust the legacy that you're leaving because you never truly know who is watching your example.